the sacred Jedi texts. A pile of old books. Star Wars Sessions Book Club. Greetings, exalted ones, and welcome to this review episode of Star Wars Sessions Book Club. Listen, if you ain't into the books, get out of the treehouse. No, no, you can stay, you can stay, because all we do on this show is talk about the sacred Jedi text. Yes, 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 indeed. So, uh, for this episode, I am going to be doing a spoiler review of Delilah S. Dawson's Star Wars Inquisitor Rise of the Red Blade uh, and as, as is customary with these reviews you'll get a book bang as well if I could be so bold as to say such a term uh, got a bang the old uh, tome here uh, I've read this now it was uh, very kindly provided to me by the by the lads and ladies over at Penguin Random House Star Wars Books UK uh, always appreciative of those guys and their efforts and for sending review copies in advance. Now, this was a book that when it was announced, I thought, huh, what a weird title. In fact, I've said many on many occasions, not really a fan of the title. And even now, having read the book, I still think the title is a bit whaff. I'm not a fan of the title. Inquisitor, uh, colon, Rise of the Red Blade. Um it kind of falls into the Jedi uh, colon fallen order, Jedi colon survivor way of naming things and naming conventions there. So in that sense, no issue. Star Wars Jedi something, Star Wars and to something. And I dig it. Rise of the Red Blade sounded a bit cheap and a bit cheesy to me. Uh, and I'm not going to change my opinion on that. I do think it's uh, not the best title. But it is written by Delilah S. Dawson, as previously mentioned, and she's previously penned the uh, Galaxy's Edge Black Spire book, which I've actually just finished listening to the audio book of. I've, I've read the book before, but I fancy I'm going through a phase now where on my commutes, I like to listen to a, an audio book, usually a Star Wars one. Um, and Black Spire was one of the ones I hadn't listened to the audio book of. So we listened to that again and I dug it. I really do enjoy that book, even with the egregious <laughs> Galaxy's Edge uh, Black Spire outpost mentions throughout, but, that's what it's there for. Let's not lie about it. Princess and the Scoundrel did the same thing. As long as it's done uh, organically enough, then I dig it. And Black Spire, it pushed those boundaries, but it's fine. And she also wrote Phasma, which I think is a criminally underrated book, actually, in the new canon. I think that's a really, really, really good book. Um, but I'm sure we'll mention any kind of connections to that or comparisons shortly. Uh, she also wrote short story, The Perfect Weapon, and a few other short stories for the From a Certain Point of View line as well. But I'm a big fan of Delilah S. Dawson's writing. I once posited that I'd love to see a book written about Rey post The Rise of Skywalker, where she is you know, creating the new Jedi Order and coming to terms with, in the space of two years, she's gone from Jakku Scavenger to becoming the last Jedi the friends she's made along the way, the family, the you know Ben Solo, Kylo Ren. How does she deal with him being such a big part of her life and then not being there anymore? Like the conflict, the trauma, the grief, and then the heroism uh, and hope coming out of as well. I think Delilah S. Dawson would be sweet for that job. Um, so yeah, Lucasfilm, we know you're listening. 
there's my pitch. No royalties expected. Just maybe get me and Luke in the cannon. We'd, we'd love that. Um, anyway, let's get to the reason why we're all here tonight, which is Inquisitor Rise of the Red Blade. One more time. This is going to be a spoiler review. I won't be going into every single page of the book and every single facet of what happens, but I want to be able to speak freely about what happens in a story without being handcuffed somewhat by uh, trying to tiptoe around spoilery points. So you've been warned. This is a spoiler review. Now, done. We are out of the way for that. So the book focuses on uh, Jedi Padawan Iskat Akaris. Now, the name may not be, uh, it may not jump out to you too much, but this isn't Iskat's first uh, rodeo. She first appeared in the Darth Vader run by Charles Saul from 2017. She appeared in episode 19 by episode. I, of course, mean issue. She appeared in issue 19 as, let's face it, just another Inquisitor. She had red skin, long fingers, looked okay, though I do think that the the art by Giuseppe Camoncoli at all doesn't really do her justice. She looks a bit goofy. but uh, So she appears in Darth Vader, uh, issue 19, from six years ago, and then... Character comes and goes, that's it. Delilah S. Dawson has picked up her story thread and has run with it here. So I found that to be very interesting. So for somebody that people might not be particularly uh, knowing of, now she has her own book. Um, so it's Katakaris. She she travels the galaxy uh, alongside her master, uh, her master who isn't really a big fan of her. Her master's called Semba Vey. Really, she doesn't like her. She just... There, there isn't a bond there that you'd seen with other Padawans and their masters, but she wants to be a good Jedi. Now, like most Jedi we see at this era, she wants to be a good Jedi. However, she she feels like she's being held back. This isn't a another Anakin story per se, but she feels like she's being held back. She feels like she's not tapping into all areas of the Force that she could do. And when she does something which leads to a des- decisive victory in battle, she's later scorned for doing the wrong thing, even though it led to the right outcome. And she feels oppressed by this, held back and suffocated by it. Uh, And she also finds herself thrust into the front lines of the Clone Wars, where she becomes a general. We know that a lot of Padawans are promoted to generals, promoted well, well, well above their experience early on, because there are the the Jedi dwindling. Of course, this book is set at the outset of the Clone Wars, and then it goes past that as well. Um, so she's kind of questioning herself, questioning her place in the order, questioning her you know, worth as well, knowing that there's more out there and more that she could be doing. Um, and the further we go into the story, her, her faith wanes in the Jedi until eventually Order 66 happens. The Jedi are wiped out and she becomes an Inquisitor and finds that being Inquisitor it's pretty damn cool. It's pretty sweet. You do what you want. You know, you can put your feet on the chair and everything. But um, now, of course, throughout the story, we get uh, reasons as to why all of those moments happen. So let's get uh, to the to the meat and potatoes of it. Did I like the book? I did. I enjoyed the book a lot, especially when the momentum and the force was with it. When, I, when this book was good, it was really very good. There was a lull, though. For me, maybe a third of the way in, which took a little while to overcome. But once it did, the story, it went full throttle with the last days of the Republic, 
Order 66 and the Inquisitorius in a way that we haven't really seen them before. We haven't seen them explored with this much depth, which I appreciate an awful lot because up until now, the Inquisitorius are just these masked bozos, basically, who kind of turn up in Rebels and Kenobi. They really do an awful lot and then, well, they eventually are extinct. So let's find out a little bit more about them and why uh, Palpatine wanted them, why Vader kept them kept them alive or kept them around. Uh, and let's find out more about them, which the book does. Now, the, the failures of the Jedi are highlighted really well throughout this. I actually think they're done very, very well. And whilst most Jedi and Padawans are on board with the Council's teachings and ideas, the, the rumblings of discontent are present. Not dramatically OTT, you know, it's not, we're not moping around like emos here, but there are rumblings here and there with certain Jedi, certain Padawans, certain masters, in fact, who wish they could be doing more or can see a way to end the conflict, but it may go against the teachings or the ideas of the council. And as we know from the prequels, the council, well, they were what they were. They helped to bring about the downfall of the Jedi. It wasn't just them. This had been fermenting for, for years and years and years before, um, certainly attack of the clones but uh but as we do know as we mentioned iscat does become an inquisitor i.e from the front cover of the book and the uh, darth vader issues that we mentioned the comics now it just takes a little too long getting to that part for me everything that happens in the lull all the character building all the relationships and all of the inner thoughts and feelings that we get to experience with iscat they do all fall into place later which I commend Delilah S. Dawson for doing. This isn't just let's go into the deep into a character and not really touch upon things later on in the story. No, no, no. Everything plays a part. I just find that where we know what the outcome is, it takes a little bit too long getting there. It's a little bit slow in the uptake. The slow burn, though, it may be a joy to read for some other people, which I totally respect as well. Because of what we've just said, Delilah S. Dawson takes the time to sit with this cat to define her motivations, to define her experiences, and to define the character as well. Iskat Akaris is written as a very well-rounded individual. By the time we get to the end of the book, we we, we really know her. We really know what makes Iskat tick uh, for better and for worse. And I really, really think Dawson did a good job with her. And we know that um, Delilah S. Dawson, she loves a villain. She loves it. She loves the dark side. As I mentioned, we, there might be a little comparison Phasma, the Phasma novel did wonders for that character that the film just decided not to bother with. But we, we it dove behind the the Chrome Dome and we saw more about Phasma from the beginnings, from the time when she was uh, on the rise uh, in within her own people to joining the First Order and beyond. Take D- D- Dawson is very adept at taking the time with characters without making it feel overly kind of overly boring overly dull for want of a better term and yes there is a lull in this book i've mentioned that and i and there is for me that is when i was reading it, i was, was hoping i was, come on let's let's get past this let's move it wasn't boring it wasn't badly written it was more i know what's coming and this is setting up the foundations but it's doing it in a way which wasn't quite engaging me in the way that i wanted it to but uh and the same token i didn't find it badly written as mentioned it's just it was just there for me however there are those out there who would have read this and thought this is a 
sizzling, scintillating character study in those moments. And I, and I respect that. I respect that. And speaking of the character, Iscat, what I also enjoyed is she goes through this spiritual awakening almost. So once leaving the order, she can do and be who she wants. Being held back or admonished for doing the right thing, but maybe in the wrong way by the council, doesn't apply anymore. And the Inquisitorius, like we said, gets some foundations. You know, what were they like? What was the training like? What is the competition and the hatred and distrust of each other like? What was the lifestyle like? We even kind of dig into kind of the lifestyle of the Inquisitors. We don't find out kind of what they have for breakfast, lunch and dinner and all that kind of stuff, really. But we find out in comparison to the Jedi, even like the living quarters, how is that? And what's the pressure? What's the expectations? I really, really enjoyed those moments. And yes, we do get to witness Daddy Vader uh, in a little bit of action as well, which I dug on me obviously get a bit of Palpatine too. Um, going back to the uh, characters here now, Dawson doesn't hold back when it comes to them killing each other, the characters killing other characters, or just death. You know, Delilah S. Dawson has a handle on how to write heavy weighty moments in books and thematically as well and it's worth mentioning too that the the book begins with a raw and earnest introduction from Dawson herself relating to how the story unfolds in relation to her own life experiences which will act as a warning for some but it was refreshing and um quite emotional as well to see this kind of these words just so viscerally put out there for everyone to hear and know uh, before reading the book. Um, but I respect uh, Delilah S. Dawson for putting herself out there in the way that she did. But she she, she knows how to write heavier situations uh, in this book and also in Black Spy, which does deal with a lot of trauma as well as does Phasma. Um, so I'm not going to advocate for violence and R ratings oh, and all that kind of guff like some do. Um, you know me, I love me. Um, I love me all of those things. My favourite genre, my favourite films are horror films, but there doesn't always need to be a crossover. But I do believe stakes are needed in Star Wars. I really, really do. One something that Andor got right is it made me think the Empire were abhorrent, were abysmal, and that they, it was hopeless. And I think we need stakes. And the morally grey side of Star Wars should be acknowledged because not everyone is squeaky clean or morally balanced, even if they are or were a servant of the light. And I don't mean let's introduce the grey Jedi because that's it's cringe, isn't it? It's, it's a silly idea. But I do think we need to go more into this. We have Iscat. She she stabs, slices and decapitates her way through the story. And she's loving it. You know, she finds there, there is something empowering about it almost. Not a bloodlust, but the need to be able to do what's right. And the feeling that it gives and represents that when she does it, it feels like a release. But it's written so well. Uh, that Iscat doesn't just feel like a, a butcher or anything like that. And the wonderful way they brought Iscat's story to life for Baton from the comics at the end was sensational. I've always said, a good canon book uh, like this one, what they do is they should act as a foundation either for the films uh, or the animated series in terms of maybe not potentially being the A-tier moments that are going to define the um, story going ahead. But we know what's happened. Let's beef it out a little bit, which is what Rise of the Red Blaze does. We know what we know what happens in Attack of the Clones, in the prequels, and Order sixty six and beyond, and Rebels and Obi Wan Kenobi. Rise of the Red Blade takes that, 
and it expands upon it. So if you don't read the book, you don't miss anything. But if you do read the book, it, it adds those extra layers like a good canon book should do. But it also, for me, the books and the comics and the video games and the animated series, I'll lump those in, should also act as cousins who just like to play football together and get on. Let's let's intertwine, let's interconnect with each other's stories. And they do that so well here as well. We're throughout Rise of the Red Blade. There's a lot of references to Mike Chen's Brotherhood, which came out uh, last year, I believe, or if it was this year, then my God, this year has gone quickly. There's a, there's a cool Jedi Fallen Order reference as one of the Jedi, uh, Cyrus O'Kent, is set, sent to help fight the Separatists on Bracca, which I dug that an awful lot. There are nods to Rebels. There are nods to Obi-Wan Kenobi throughout as well. Um, Keller and Beck is mentioned uh, as, a, uh, as a teacher of younglings, as we see him uh, from Jedi Temple Adventures and also, obviously, The Mandalorian. Um yeah, and also the Clone Wars and the prequels and Matt Stover's Revenge of the Sith novel. So much gets referenced here and the comics, of course, let's not forget. And I love it when stories do this, you know, they kind of they lift each other up and really create this rich tapestry, which is what Star Wars should be. There can only be so many films. There can only be so many streaming series. This is what the expanded universe is for, is to build on a moment which would otherwise be unseen. And the moment in the comics um really really is brought to life here in the end of the comic spoiler alert and the end of the book iscat is killed alongside her friend her lover her ex-jedi padawan um colleague and now inquisitor twalon who i don't believe gets a inquisitor name iscat is revealed to be the 13th sister i don't believe twalon has given an a an inquisitor rank which I think you have to kind of, uh, they say you have to earn that essentially. So maybe he hasn't earned it uh, despite being in the gang for years. But in the end of the book, we see that they have, they're trying to prevent Ethkoff, the ex Jedi, his daughter being taken by the Inquisitorius for Project Harvester so they can turn her into an Inquisitor because she's force sensitive. Uh, and basically, they kind of tear up a little bit of Coruscant in order to stop Vader getting his hands on the kid and allowing the mother to and baby to uh, escape on their ship now we see that in the book as well and the way that dawson pretty much verbatim recreates this in the book i think is done so well like i said almost verbatim the final panels just show Iscat and Twilight looking at each other and saying the lines that they do as darth vader holds him in the air force chokes them before killing them uh, actually, no, he doesn't kill him. He, it's a kind of very much a very poetic death. Darth Vader has both of them ignite their sabers and then uses a force to have them stab each other and kill themselves. Pretty dark stuff. Come on now. Um, and that's what happens in the book. You, you, they say a few lines and then bish, bash, bosh, done. But here Dawson delivers their inner thoughts, their feelings, which I thought was really well done, really cool to see and read. Now, what were they thinking in that moment? How are they relaying their past experiences their past relationships how did it all come to this uh, i really think that that was handled so well and i love to see that she's taken the delilah s dawson has taken you know darth vader issue 20 now at, at that charles saul who's uh been on the show before wrote and didn't change it wasn't like you know what yeah that that blows he's like this is what this is how it happened i'm gonna write it like that and i'm gonna build upon that really really respected that an awful lot so 
canon wise it really helps build the foundation continues to build the foundations i think the clone wars and prequel threads were so well written mace windu is again written like a jerk (laughs) he just scowls and doesn't really trust anyone he's aloof and it's easy to see why he was at the forefront of the jedi downfall uh, and the other Jedi mentioned, of course, Yoda's mentioned. I've mentioned Ethkoff, Ki Adi Mundi, Ponkrell gets to mention, or a few of them actually, Dukastanu, Ayla Secura, Kelleran Beck, and lots of new uh, Jedi masters as well. Most of them who are either killed at the Battle of Geonosis, where this book begins, or in Order 66. Um, and the Inquisitors, we, we, we hear a lot about the Inquisitors. We hear of the Ninth Sister, of course from the comics and Jedi, the Jedi games, the eighth brother, the fifth brother, the fourth sister, that one from Kenobi, the grand inquisitor, obviously the second sister, the seventh sister, the sixth brother, the 10th brother, uh, Twalon, And of course, Iscat, the 13th sister, R- lot crammed into this book, a lot crammed into this book. Palpatine as Senator is in this and we, he meets Iscat and manipulates her. He knows, he, he knows the score. He knows that Iscat isn't driving with the Jedi council. He sees her raw power and the darkness that resides within her. So he makes sure he kind of is in the right place at the right time to put a little worm in her ear. You know, I know what you're going through. I, I think you're better than what they, how, how they treat you. But, you know, it is what it is. You know, come back to me if you need any help. And he uses a fella called Hezo as a conduit as well. Um, so everything has its place. It isn't just Iscat is, is annoyed at the council. I'm going to become a baddie. Little things are put into place. We know Palps is a master manipulator. There's that going on. There's a mystery about a woman called Feyre. The mystery being that's her mother. We find that out later. Pretty easy mystery to unravel, but it's there. And also her own origins. You know, where is Iscat from? She doesn't know where she's from. No one's ever told her. It's all none of it is in the Jedi archives. But she's from a place called Pakori. So there's a mystery going on. There's the manipulation from Palps. There's the action. There's the inner turmoil. There's the grief, the trauma, the overhanging specter of Order sixty six and beyond. There's a lot to take in in this book. And Dawson does a really good job at delivering it. So there was that slow burn, okay, maybe a third of the way through, a third part way through. And it does it does go on for a decent chunk of the novel, considering, again, we know where it, this goes. I'd say two thirds of the book is dedicated to Iscat as a Jedi, and the final third is Inquisitor, Dark Side Iscat. But that's written very well. Also, you know, there's a lot of conflict, which she overcomes with the swing of a saber a few times. Uh, well, again, harkening back to what we said earlier on, you know, Dawson shows that there are stakes and that when things need to be done, the characters will do them, which has sometimes been missing from other projects. But there's a lot to go in with this book. As I've just kind of ran through all of the threads that are happening. Plus, there are other characters who pop in and out who are vital to the story in you know minor ways and in major ways and they're well written everyone's well written in this book so the book is well written i knew it very descriptive book very emotive book uh very kind of visually appealing you can i can i can picture what's happening in my head like the landscapes the tundras the biomes if you will i, I, I can picture where they are and the the way that even things like food smells occur i i, I appreciate that we really are thrown straight into the straight into the world here and we're just left to left to wallow in the uh, pretty pretty solid storytelling that we get here now. So, uh, Delilah S. Dawson's Inquisitor: Rise of the Red Blade, three hundred forty three pages long. So it's pretty pretty meaty, and for a title which I thought 
well, the title itself, I still don't think is a good title. But for one, which I was kind of on the fence about, I thought it could be good, but how, you know, how far we're going to go with this? What's the story going to be? Is it going to be an inquisitor who starts bad and turns good? And I guess it kind of is, but we knew that from the comics. If you've been following them, it's what happens in between, but tying it into attack of the clones, revenge of the Sith or the 66 and then rebels and Kenobi. And to an extent, handle is a, is a huge, was a huge boon and a huge, positive for the book so i'm gonna yeah i recommend this book happily i think it's a very very good book delilah s dawson has done it again i really really get excited when she releases stories because she just gets it she knows how to write characters she knows how to give us stakes and that for me is uh for me it's 101 give me some good characters and give me something to care about give me a reason to worry or to care or to cling to them connect to them and i mean simple as that of course i need a great story to go along with it um but the characters always come first. You can have the best story in the world, but if the characters aren't quite there, you're missing something. So for me, it starts with the characters. Delilah S. Dawson gets to characters, and this is her first time writing, you know, lightsaber swinging baddies uh, or goodies. And I think she does a very good job. So we'll recommend this one happily with a caveat that, yes, to me, there was a lull in the middle, which brought the story down and kind of brought some of that momentum to a halt but when it gets going after that it really does get going so fans of the comics will really enjoy the ending of this and fans of the canon will enjoy the interconnectivity at play here so go and get this if you can it's available from all good bookstores always buy independently if you can if not get the audiobook on audible uh you probably get a free trial if you go on audible i haven't got one to give you maybe i will do in the future but for now, I'd say check it out. If you're a fan of that era of Star Wars, especially the the prequel novels, I think you'll find an awful lot to like here. Or if you just want a good character study of a character who isn't entirely weighed down by existing baggage. Yes, we know her end game, but we don't know the rest of the game. Then I think you'll enjoy this one. But Delilah S. Dawson, bravo, another wonderful effort. Keep going, keep giving us these stories, and I'm going to keep reading them. So, in terms of rating, I'll probably give it 3.75 out of 5 because the lull does, or maybe I'll go to 4, maybe I'll go 4 out of 5. 4 out of 5. The lull does affect the story, but what comes before and after is so well written that I can get over it. I can get over it, son. Come on, get over yourself, and I will do. But 4 out of 5, 4 Inquisitor Rise of the Red Blade, go to pick it up wherever you can. And that will bring an end to this spoiler kind of recap and thoughts and opinions on Inquisitor Rise of the Red Blade. Thank you, everybody, for listening. If you've read the book, we'd love to know what you think about it. If you liked it, if you didn't like it, let us know your opinions. Always here for it. Just search Star Wars Sessions across all of the social medias, including threads and all of those other new offshoots that we've got. Send us a, a message, an email to hello there at starwarsessions.co dot uk if you want to send us an email with your thoughts or join us on our discord hit us up in our dms uh we'll, we'll vet you a little bit make sure make sure you're going to fit in with the gang uh there is really no uh there is no vetting process don't worry but send us a, send us a message uh get in on the discord we've got a book club section there for to talk about the canon as well and yeah keep doing what you're doing guys keep listening to keep supporting we appreciate every single one of you but with that That is going to bring an end to the review. From me, see ya.